We appreciate your listenership and loyalty to Dairy Stream. To show our appreciation, we'd like to give you 10% off your Dairy Strong Conference registration with promo code DAIRYSTREAM. One word, no space. If you're new to Dairy Strong, for nearly a decade, our Dairy Strong Conference has been the premier event for forward-thinking farmers and the professionals that support them. Dairy Strong brings together Wisconsin's signature community to captivate, celebrate, and motivate. Join us January 18th through the 19th in Madison, Wisconsin, to hear from inspiring speakers and reconnect with old friends. Visit DairyForward.com for more information. Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, today on Dairy Stream, we don't have what you'd call a special edition, but I'd have to say it's kind of a unique version of our program. As we reflect on our first three-year journey down our broadcast Dairy Stream, and also welcome a new skipper to guide us into the future. Joanna Guza is with us today. I'm sure you're familiar with Joanna. I've mentioned her before as being the producer and editor of Dairy Stream, also is an agricultural broadcaster, as you can hear in several parts of Wisconsin, including Green Bay. Uh, and Joanna is going to also now take over the position of being the host of this podcast. And I know that she's very qualified to uh, fill all the demands. And I'm just happy that she's going to be the next voice on Dairy Stream. So, Joanna, it's certainly been my pleasure to serve as the guide for our listeners as we've traveled down our audio Dairy Stream. But as I said, you'll be taking over that position. And I'm excited about that and how you're going to kind of shape this program and these podcasts into the future. So, uh, since you're in the co-pilot seat, I'll let you start things off. Uh, what's the first thing you want to discuss? Well, Mike, let's just say I have very, very big shoes to fill. We know that you've been doing this for several years, well over my age. So we know that you are a seasoned <laughs> You always throw that age thing in there. <laughs> you are a seasoned professional and you've just been a wealth of knowledge in this topic. So kind of hoping, Mike, to get started that we could learn more about with over 40 years in farm broadcasting, let's talk about where agriculture was and where it is now, if you could kind of share from your perspective. No, I'd be glad to. And one thing though, I do want to clarify, they're only size 11, so they're not that big a shoe, okay? <laughs> All right, well, let's go back a little bit. And uh, when I started uh, farm broadcasting in Wisconsin in the mid 70s, I guess when I think about how things have changed, obviously the number of farms, you know, the, the inherent audience that you have, that certainly increased. I mean, at that time, there was, I think, just around 100,000 total farms in the state and 77,000 of those you know, were dairy operations. Now, what do we have? Less than 6,000 dairy farms, and yet we're producing as much milk or even more than we did in those days. So that just shows, you know, what's happened in the industry and the technology and the quality of producers and the tools they have available, how that's helped keep milk production so high. That, that's another thing too, um, you know, production per cow. 
I remember one time one of the area farmers, you know, had a 14,000 pound herd average. And that was a big story. I had to run out and you know, make sure that I got on the radio and television. And now, you know, production per cow is 25 to 30,000 plus is not that unusual. So again, the productivity we've seen because of, you know, feed quality, just good professional, the team attitude, all that has changed. Um, size of herd certainly have changed as well. I mean, I know that sometimes with people would say, why are you doing the little story on that big herd? You know, it had 80 cows. Yeah. Now we have, <laughs> yeah, now we have farms, you know, 7,000 cows. So that certainly has changed. And I think back to the, you know, technology and facilities, uh, you know, I didn't report there weren't too many people still milking by hand uh, when I began farm broadcasting, but certainly, you know, the stanchion barn was pretty uh, commonplace. And then, you know, the big change were, you know, the pipelines, the parlors. Um, and now, you know, it used to be appointment milking and milk in the morning and you milk in the evening. Then we went to three times a day milking. And now, I mean, the cows can get milked anytime if you've got a robotic operation. So that's certainly uh, something that's changed over those 40 plus years. Computers, I guess, just like uh, many of us, many fields, you know, computers now are a key tool uh, to our success, even in broadcasting. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later on, but the importance of computers in agriculture. Uh, you know, I think back as well of, you know, what has assisted us in providing you know, more cow comfort and how we design our barns now. And the fact that, you know, we used to have uh, basically just the old red barns, you know, and now we've got free stalls. We worry about airflow. We worry about cooling, water availability, you know, feed quality with TMRs. I mean, there's just so many things that have occurred uh, on the environmental side, you know, manure management of the times we now apply manure, how we apply manure, uh, the testing we do when it comes to making sure that there's environmental benefit and not impact on a negative side with manure management. And all those things are, are things that have occurred. Uh, picture, you know, used to be the days you ride by and some people still have the nostalgia seeing the red barn with the upright silo next to it. Well, you know, you've got a variety of different uh, silos and ways that you can basically store your feed. Uh, the conservation efforts, I mean, that's probably been one of the biggest uh, changes and steps forward we've seen in the industry and the commitment that producers have made. I mean, we now even have organizations that just focus in on trying to improve the footprint and impact uh, on the environment through what we do on the farm. Yeah, you know, there's there's so many different things that are going on. Uh, it used to be, you know, you'd see those brown fields in the late fall and the winter. Now they're green in spots yet because of the you know, cover crops we're putting in. I think uh, the business side has changed as well. Dairy overall these years still remains a family and a family dynamic. However, it's also a family business. And I underline and put the exclamation point by the word business. I remember visiting a couple of farms and they come show me their records and they actually were in a shoebox. You know, now you've got them computerized. You know, you've got people that are helping you with your finances. And all that I think is uh, very vital and has been a real positive in the industry. The other thing that I think we sometimes forget and I know for some producers, as their herds grew larger and maybe their uh, children decided to go other avenues than replacing them on the farm, is the fact that farmers had to transition from managing cows 
to managing cows and people. And that wasn't easy for a lot of people. And uh, I think they've done a good job of that. But that was another key change we've seen. Um, a couple other things, the specializations we've seen uh, in the dairy industry, you know, we're now outsourcing, you know, the raising of our calves and heifers, um, the concept of, you know, the farm team and the people that are vital to make up that team. I think that's something new and something that will continue to be kind of a standard and the basics in a successful operation. And last thing I want to bring up, Joanna, is just transparency. You know, initially it wasn't like pulling teeth, but it was close to, you know, have a farmer willingly talk in front of a camera or a microphone and, you know, tell their story because they basically uh, are people that like to stay within their circle. They don't want to really brag about what they're doing, even though they have a great story to tell. And that transparency aspect, I think, has really uh, come through your generation and the newest uh, generation in production agriculture and that's through the you know the social media content fact that we when I first started I'm trying to think back I think it was in Winnebago County I was put on a committee I think it was 80 or 81 and it was really one of the first breakfasts on the farm in the state really they had no concept of you know what it would be outside of just having people see a farm you know enjoy a breakfast now those breakfasts on the farm are great informational sources as well brings out a whole bunch of uh, families and that's good since you know we're continuing to be even more removed from uh, a real contact with a production farm so you know that's out there there's now agritourism uh, businesses and then just the last thing you know farmers themselves now have their own you know websites their own facebook and many producers as they do through you know organizations like dba and uh, also a lot of other groups uh, conversations continue uh, with lobbyists and political activists and make sure that you know they all understand what the farm income and economy means and I was trying to think of you know edge dairy cooperative certainly that's one of their main goals so uh, all those things have really changed and probably for the better I mean there's still challenges there's still obstacles but uh, I think the direction I've seen in agriculture uh, the excitement I see in the industry, the outstanding young people I see in the industry, and not only those that win outstanding, you know, producer of the year, but even uh, the members in the 4-H and the FFA and how sharp they are and how, you know, good they are as communicators. That's all very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Right, Mike. Our our core values have stayed the same, but, it, you know, listen, listening to you talk through the years, we, it's just been a lot of competition, which then makes us better. Everything has progressed to be better. They have, and also just a unified voice. And there's still, you know, no industry is perfect perfect in that area of thinking, you know, what that neighbor's doing is good or, you know, what that group is saying is good. But I think there's more unity and understanding of what the bottom line is, what direction the industry is. And I just think, you know, their awareness of their non-farm neighbors and what they're now demanding, what they now want to see and how agriculture has responded to that is very, very impressive. And I thought I'd ask you as well, since, you know, we've had this podcast going now for about three years, 
from your perspective during that time period and from your days as you know, a state FFA officer to now an agricultural broadcaster, uh, what do you see as far as agriculture from you know the year we started this podcast to where we are now? You know, Mike, you, you talked about transparency. That That is a huge one of people just making sure that they continue to share their day-to-day action. You know, it used to be, oh, we had to you know, produce this huge production video, but now there's YouTube channels where you can just follow a farmer fixing his tractor. Right. You know, and even the younger generation is engaged with that and will sit and watch it like a TV show, even though it's not even edited. And that's what people want to see is that raw, authentic farming aspect. And and that's one thing that has really changed and and now kind of tying like agriculture and how this how old this podcast is, you know, Mike, we started at a very interesting time. Dairy Stream was launched on February of 2020, right before the pandemic with the shutdown. And that, I mean, that in itself, we learned so much. And I feel like this has become the buzzword of volatility that happened in the last three years. So when you and I were getting ready for the podcast, we had four episodes in the shoot ready to go because we're, we're releasing on February 12th. We want to make sure we have our content ready to go. Well, we released our first one. Well, then, then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Then those other three episodes those guests and those sponsors said outdated. We don't want that content out there. So even us learned, you know, through the podcast world, we need to be ready to flip on a dime and make sure that we're getting out content that is relevant to the times that are happening. And, and I, you know, Mike, you lived through the eighties, probably one of the hardest times for the farming community, but now in my lifetime, I would say the pandemic was like the hardest thing that I've experienced in watching the farming community just navigate that volatility and, you know, continuing to learn and be prepared for all types of situations. And, you know, when we when even when we released in February, we were having to show people how to listen to a podcast because mm-hmm. they didn't even know how, mm-hmm. how to access. They would say, oh, we hear, you know, Mike's on this podcast with you guys. We want to listen to it, but we have no idea how. And now people are more listening on their podcast apps and their phones. They can connect to their tractor and their trucks. They they know how to do it. So even just the understanding of getting information has become a little bit easier um, and faster. But overall, the event of COVID just forced us to think differently. And, you know, they say with challenges come opportunity. And I think that's what this challenge of the pandemic brought us was opportunity just to think differently and to get a better understanding of topics. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I was thinking about that before we came on about, you know, the 80s in particular. That was a a devastating time because... In many cases, producers that were doing everything right, but because of the economic impacts that were just going on throughout the whole country, especially uh, in the rural part of this country, uh, the financial stresses were just too much, and and they were forced to leave, even though they were you know good managers, good producers, but 
they, there are some things they just could not control, and that basically knocked them out of the industry. And it was pretty heartbreaking, really, uh, several of those years to see people you really liked, you got to know, you felt they were doing everything right, and still uh, the economics of the time pushed them out of the industry. And that, in a way, you know, reflects kind of with COVID. I mean, we never expected it. We didn't know how to control it. We didn't know how big it was going to be. We didn't know how it was going to impact, you know, buying habits, travel habits, anything. Uh, including, you know, the manufacturing and the transportation of products, you know, how that was all impacted. And yeah, uh, it it's, is kind of incredible how people, you know, really have gotten through that and are now looking at that light at the end of the tunnel. And it's much brighter uh, than it had been back in 2020. Plus just, you know, the idea, as you said, looking for options because you were and in a way, not so much farmers because they still were doing your chores, still getting out. But the general public was kind of you know, betting down. They weren't going out. They were looking for information, communications. And I think in that way, uh, the podcast really uh, grew and became more popular because it was that avenue for information. And thank goodness uh, people gave us a chance to, to learn a little bit more about the podcast and grow with us so it could be a success. Right. And in, in those times of need, it was pretty amazing that we could be there for them. But also, Mike, in particular, having you as our host to be there for them. I, I, I look back to um, when we did our interview with M Mark Stevenson. He was our once we botched all our, our other episodes, <laughs> yes. we contacted Mark and he was kind of the light at the end of the tunnel of, hey, help us explain what the heck is going on. <laughs> in such short notice. They learned about the shutdown and then he was able to kind of digest and give farmers a little bit of an understanding of what was going on. And I'm glad you were the one that was able to kind of navigate that and, and question you know, him to share that story. Well, I guess you could say we were kind of on the mark with that one. Yes, right. <laughs> That's <laughs> a time stuff, you don't have time right now. We'll just move forward, all right? <laughs> Speaking of podcast, and that is one of my favorites. I always liked uh, Mark Stevenson. He was always direct. Uh, he knew what he was talking about, and he was pretty accurate in some of his projections as well. And I think he helped ease some of the tension that a lot of producers have. I know there's you know been a lot of podcasts, and I was trying to reflect on different topics we covered. So I thought I'd ask us of you first, since you were the producer and the writer and editor. You probably got a better memory than I do. Uh, can you maybe reflect on what you thought were some of the more popular episodes we've had uh, over these first three years? Through our podcast platform that we release it on, it tells me what has had the most downloads and what location. So we get to know so much about our audience. Oh. And the one thing that I find the most interesting is that it describes our personality. So when we go to tell people about sponsorship opportunities, we tell them that the listeners of Dairy Stream are forward thinking. And you can tell that by these next five uh, episodes that I'm going to tell you about. And also, they're really willing to learn. They always want to learn more about a topic. And that's kind of when our philosophy was with Dairy Stream as we try to dissect that topic, learn the basics, and then kind of dive a little bit deeper. Um, and then we've even had topics that are so basic but they're so important. Like I think about our one episode where we talked about understanding your milk check. Mm -hmm. Something farmers have been getting for years, but we just did more of a deep dive on a basic topic. And those have been some of our, our most popular ones. So of all time, our most popular episode so far has been what to know about FMMOs and PPDs. 
The second most popular was renewable natural gas projects, understanding the basics and economics. Number three was how to be a farmer of the future. Number four was how milk classes and components impact milk price. And the fifth most popular was Farm Workforce Modernization Act, what to know about H-2A. And honestly, Mike, when we try to benchmark how our podcast is performing, looking at the all-time is the the best projection of what topics are popular, what our audience really likes to listen to, because I also did the top podcasts for 2022. But we have to keep in mind, these haven't had as much shelf life as the all-time ones. So the ones I mentioned, a lot of those happened in 2021 or at the end of 2021. So take this with a grain of salt because I want to say, you know, we, we had, um, we're going to have our episode with, you know, John Lucy coming out and that was, that, that could be probably a very popular one, but right now it just hasn't had enough time to be out there for our listeners to check out each time a podcast is released, people are downloading other episodes. <laughs> they see, they get the notification. Dairy stream has a new episode and they're maybe not listening to the brand new one. They're going back and looking at some of the other episodes and seeing what triggers their interest. So for 2022, the most popular one so far has been our success in succession planning, which Mike probably could have murdered me for that title because <laughs> I was a tongue twister with saying that. And it was the, the first episode of that series was how to get organized and also so the role of rumen microbes play in cow productivity, which Mike, you and I both learned so how many ways there is to say microbes and microbes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and even I, when I talked to the sponsor after, they're like, wow, I just realized we just need to educate people on microbes and how that's, the functionality. No, that's a good point, yeah. And then the third most popular so far, and these were all um, earlier in the year and then like middle of summer, was advancing your farm through data monitoring and artificial intelligence. So again, I want to bring it back to the type of audience. Our Dairy Stream listeners are forward thinking, they want to learn, and they want us to do deep dives into basic topics. No, they do. And, you know, we're fortunate to have that kind of audience that's adopt us. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but when you consider all the different topics, all the different outlets, all the different options you have in podcasts, we're really grateful uh, that people have over these three years spent time with us. And we've tried to make it as informative as we can. We've also tried to, to entertain and we've also tried you know, first of all, to get their input. And we want to thank those of you that took the time to say, hey, I think this would be a good topic or why not You know, give us more information on this subject? And we've tried to respond to that. But, you know, it doesn't shock me about the fact of, you know, what the most popular one uh, was, because, you know, as I said in the earlier comments, you know, this is a business. It's a family oriented business, but it is a business. And you want to know, you know, what's going on with your milk check? And do you want to know, you know, how does the federal milk marketing orders, you know, how does that impact them? Is this something we really need here now in 2022, uh, along with the, the PPDs and what they do? And especially in that time, and that's, I think, one area where we really responded uh, to what you, the listener, wanted because you were saying, hey, hey, how come I got this negative on my milk check? How come, you know, who's taking this money and why are they taking it? And I thought we were fortunate with a very knowledgeable guest that was also a good communicator to explain the process and say why that happened. And I think at least 
knowing, you know, as they say, is half the battle. You might not have liked it, but at least you understood it better. And the same thing, you know, with milk classes and components, how that impacts your bottom line, your milk check. I mean, I know what I always wanted, wanted to see. Well, why has this been deducted from my check? Or why, what is this thing for? And I think we did a good job of helping people better understand that. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I'm kind of proud of that we were able to accomplish here on Dairy Stream. And then, I know they weren't on the list you mentioned, but just for my own enjoyment, I personally enjoyed the episodes that, you know, kind of covered what's going on with producer when it comes to uh, research dollars and how they're you're getting a ROI, a return of investment, you know, on the dollars you're having in the new product development, how we're competing and what we're doing to make sure that you know, we provide some more shelf life to our products that we help compete against, you know, the non-dairy based fluid drinks that are now on the markets. All those options and explanations, I think were a good aspect and a service to you, the producer. You know, even though some of those that you just mentioned weren't a top one, it's still keeps our listeners up to date on all of that in the end impacts their bottom line. Well, it really does. And I, I mean, it's exciting for me and we didn't do a lot on this area, but just the idea when I, we're getting back to when I started you know, in the mid seventies, I think maybe we had uh, 50 or so different varieties of you know, cheese. And now you know, we've got nearly 600 different styles and shapes and sizes and flavors of cheeses that really expand our market. And since at least the Wisconsin-based audience that listens, you know, 90% of your milk goes into manufactured product, that's news I want to know about. That's, you know, that's a, a market I want to continue to see a big share of. And, you know, those kind of things I don't think you get uh, unless you have a kind of a format like Dairy Stream. And Mike, one other uh, episodes, and, and we it shows that it was one of our top episodes for 2022, um, but it was kind of a different um, angle we took with it because we hadn't really done any series on Dairy Stream, but was the succession planning. Um, and, and I know that that one will be continued to be downloaded, but we knew, we always tried to keep Dairy Stream pretty short, that that was such a dense topic that we knew we were going to have to make three different <laughs> episodes of it. But the great thing was, was um, from the production side, was working with some of the sponsors and asking them for their input on what is the best way to format this and break it down into three parts. And, you know, we did how to get organized, talking about the legal aspect and then also about the financial aspect. And I know that those will be downloaded from years to come about farms transitioning uh, to the next generation. Oh, no, I agree totally. And in fact, I had that marked in my notes as well uh, that I wanted to mention a little bit later on. But you know, that was really farmer driven as well. I mean, the resources we had, the people that had gone through secessions, the good, the bad and the ugly of those secessions, you know, sometimes you know, it's, it's hard to tell those stories, but they were willing to do that. And hats off to them for being so candid and honest, you know, in their answers about, yeah, this helped, but hey, boy, we didn't expect this to happen. And I think they made not only good topic information, but also good storytelling. You could see, you know, their own personal involvement in it. And I, I feel that into the future, under your leadership, we're going to have more series like that or, or episodes that do kind of get more farmer involved, you know, farmer directed and have the farmers also be the storytellers, because I, I think that's a key. And I, I think that's another reason why that 
episode, those three that we ran together, uh, really has been so interesting and has drawn such a good audience. Right. And Mike, I have to chuckle because, you know, one of the things I wrote down about about Mike is you you're good at asking and poking at the difficult questions. And I know in some of those episodes, you asked some difficult questions that Oh, you knew they didn't really want an answer. Yes. But you found another way to ask it without them releasing too much vulnerability with with the topic that was going on. Um, so that's just a kudos to you with with handling some of those situations. And one thing I want to ask Mike is, you know, from your time as a farm broadcaster to now as a podcast host, what have you learned in that time? Oh boy! Uh, they, they say you're not living if you're not learning. So there's there's been a lot of things that I've learned over the years. Uh, first, I guess I should thank them and thank uh, you know the people that put together the the podcast. You know the Dairy Business Association and also Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative for you know believing in this concept, uh, believing in me as being the initial host and just their you know, wanting to make sure there was another avenue, another conduit of information that they could be a part of to help, again, increase knowledge, increase profitability, increase just thinking outside the box among producers. And I commend those good people for that. I also want to commend, though, you know, on the general business side, the commercial broadcast industry, radio and TV, because as I said, when I started, there's you know, 100,000 farmers, uh, the noon show, which was on television for Green Bay, for those of you who didn't know on Channel 2, at the time I joined, almost two thirds of the people that watch television during the noon hour watched that show. And I mean, that was a credit to my predecessors and just the format and everything else. But uh, it, again, was very successful. Uh, the agricultural reports in an hour show, uh, you know, eliminating the commercials probably made up 20 minutes of content, which is pretty big in wow. you know a city the size of Green Bay. But because they knew agriculture was important, they stuck with it and they supported it. Now, as Times have changed, the number of farmers have declined, the opportunity for revenue with sponsors have kind of shrunk as well. You're not seeing as much commitment, you're not hearing as much, and that's why I really tip my hat to like Midwest Communications, Channel 5 in Green Bay, and other TV stations and radio outlets throughout the upper Midwest of still realizing the story of agriculture is important. And even though you might be a generation or two away, what happens on your farm affects everyone in the food and fiber industry. And they are willing to maybe make a little less profit just to make sure that story you know, goes out. So that's certainly one thing I've certainly have learned and grateful for. Um, <clears throat> I think also what's important is, you know, as a farm broadcaster, you always want to inform, you always want to make sure you're giving them a good bite of the apple, as they say. But also, you know, you you want to make sure that these folks are entertained, because I always, before a broadcast, would just go, here's a question for you, Mike. If I wasn't in production agriculture, you know, why would or why should I listen? So Mm -hmm. even though uh, this podcast in particular, we've always geared it that the farmer is the number one target and always will be, you're hoping maybe somebody else would just find us and say, oh, I didn't know that about agriculture. I didn't know they're trying to do this. And I didn't know. Um, So you try to provide the answers to, you know, that they have high quality, safe 
you know, delicious food because of these producers and, you know, how they produce it. And in most cases, you know, you've, you've learned over the years that the average consumer does trust farmers. And in most ways, and that's there are some that don't, but they understand why they do what they do to get to that end product. But, you know, I think those are important things I learned. Uh, you got to be yourself. I know we had him on before, uh, Orion Samuelson, certainly admire him, but, you know, we can't all be Orion Samuelson. Uh, I, I remember back when I was in uh, college, we didn't have egg on the college radio station. So I did the DJ bit for a while. And, you know, you, you can't fit yourself into a certain mold. I don't know, you're too young, but you know, in the old disc jockey days of rock and roll, hey, we got a really great hit for you right now. I hope you're gonna enjoy yourself. You know, that wasn't me, but those are the things they wanted you to sound like. So uh, you gotta you gotta kind of learn, you know, what's best for you and your listener. And thank goodness I was able to move away from that. But I do still laugh at you know, how I kind of sounded in those days. Even guys knew me well and said, who the heck was on your shift last night? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> but, but, but also, you know, the time element that's allowed, you know, that's what I like about the podcast is, you know, there's really no time limit. I mean, we have our time frame of you know how long we're going to go. But, you know, if there's something going a little bit better, instead of maybe being a 30 or 25 minute podcast, we've taken them 40 or 45 because it's been, you know, listener involvement uh, information that they're into the podcast. And I think that's what you have to remember. You have to, right off the start, I think you have to, as I say, try to make a home run or if not, at least a, a single, you know, so people will be engaged. They'll want to be a part, you know, and learn more of what's going on. Um, like I said, I, on this podcast, having a little bit more on the fun side as well. And I think that's always good uh, with the podcast. I didn't always know my audience though, or the person I was interviewing. And so you didn't want them suddenly just stopping their conversation, scratching like, what, what, what did he say? Because many of my comments do go right over the head. So my humor is kind of unique, but that's still me. And that's what I try to make sure I do add. Uh, but you know, other things that you have to realize is getting the most out of your time, going back to, you know, the limitations of when you're on. You're, you know, I have what, about 15 minutes in the morning that you do your radio ag reports? Right. Yep. Yeah. And that used to be, you know, I used to be 5 to 5.45 and then there was the noon report and then there's also was the evening report. So you had more opportunities. You had more things you, you know, could say and do. Now you look to, you know, sound bites to help it. But thanks to social media and podcasts, there's another avenue you can send them to. And you do a great job of that. Then if you want to hear more of this interview, you can go to, you know, our podcast or, you know, this video I have reported. You can be on our website or Facebook. And so even though uh, I didn't totally embrace social media in my last few years as a commercial broadcaster, I see the value there and what a positive that is and really can help you know, people know what's going on. Um, getting back to the interview, you know, if you don't know the person, as you mentioned, sometimes I will try to bring something more out, but I, I never wanted to totally bushwhack them or make them feel like, you know, I was attacking them or, or what they were saying, always trying to keep them comfortable because, you know, just like people have images of everything else over the last decade or so, you know, media is almost a bad word. And 
not everybody thinks the highest of people involved in the media. So that's a little hurdle you have to come as well. And one I would warn future broadcasters as well that, uh, you know, make sure you don't always have to be an ally, but I think you want to try to be a person that wants to get the facts out and not really going after the person, but, you know, the issue at hand. So that's probably just some food for thought for those of you listening that uh, want to be in this career or currently uh, looking at this as your occupation. Uh, also, I just want to close uh, before we take our break on just the idea that you want to make sure that you get to the meat of, you know, the discussion. Make sure that, you know, you leave the people maybe wanting more but feeling satisfied and informed uh, with the interviews you do. And that's something I've always tried to do, but I think, you know, as times get a little sh tighter, uh, you know, you need to get to the facts as quickly as possible. And the last thing, as I said, try to stay on point, but eh, if you can have a little fun, that's pretty good as well. And then the last thing, as I'm looking at it right now, watch the clock. Because <laughs> as my uh, dad used to tell me, uh, too much of a good thing, isn't always good. <laughs> so with that said, I think we'll take our first break here on Dairy Stream. Again, our guest and future co-host is Joanna Guza, and we've been talking about kind of a rewind of Dairy Stream and what may be in the future in the next portion of Dairy Stream. Uh, we're going to talk about you, the listener, and the 2023 focus. All that here on Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.